Welcome to episode 64 of the process, Pain to Power. Today we have Derek Standiford on the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Derek. Thank you for having me, man. It's a blessing, a privilege, and an honor to be on here today, man. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us. Can you tell the listeners where you're from? So originally, I'm from my mama and my daddy. <laughs> but I was born in Atlanta, uh, Atlanta, Georgia, uh, raised in, in Atlanta. And then uh, for the past, I want to say for the past 12 or so years, I've been residing on and off in Tallahassee. So what was it like growing up? You, you from Fulton County, DeKalb County? Ah oh, man, all over, man. I was I was on the east side, that's uh on the uh, west side. I went to yeah, I'm I'm all over Atlanta, man. I went to um, Leslie J Middle School. That's out in uh, like Boulder Crest area on the east side. I went to Silver Middle School. That's uh like I was that's close to downtown West End area. I went to Washington High School. Graduated from. Carver Early College. Um, we had a, a dual enrollment school called Early Early College in Atlanta that I graduated from. Uh, wow. they, they gave me opportunity to earn uh, about forty eight credit hours in high school for college. Oh, that's awesome, man! Well, so what was it like growing up in the A? Man, man, um, Atlanta is home. Atlanta is home. That's why I get this uh this this Southern draw from. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ryan Marta, man. Um, I learned how to hustle growing up in Atlanta. So, so uh, you either most people either work for like restaurants or Six Flags or whatnot. But my first job in Atlanta was uh, selling blow pops. I was selling blow pops. We created this organization called the Byway of Student Mentoring Program, and uh, it was you know we were just learning how to hustle, learning how to develop people skills, selling candy in parking lots and on trains. And it was just a way to keep us off the streets and out of trouble. So you got to kind of find an outlet in Atlanta, especially uh, like, you know, people who grew up with single parents. Like I was, my mother, she worked from 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. Just as long as I can remember. And, uh, you know, we, I just kind of had to find a way to keep myself out of trouble. And I learned that, you know, I was hustling candy to kind of to kind of stay focused. And it kind of gave me a, just the hustle that I have now. So <laughs> It's funny you say that. My wife had a job up there in Atlanta. Uh, she stayed with her family in Lithonia, Georgia. 
And it was the first time I've ever seen, you know, on the side when you get off of like, uh, what is that, I-20 or something. You get off the exit and you see kids out there selling waters and Gatorades. I'm just like, well, that's genius though. You know, it's like a little a hustle, but it's teaching the entrepreneurship and you making a little money at an early age. Exactly. Um, but I did want to ask, I'm, I'm a latchkey kid too. I was raised in a single parent home. Uh, what was that like? What was that experience like uh, for you? And, and what do you think? How did that mold you into the person you are today in terms of, you know, being raised by a single parent? Um, so, you know, my mother, man, uh, you know, you never really understand the sacrifices your parents make until you can see it in hindsight. Yeah. So, you know, girl, I'm thinking about my mom and how she was able to, you know, she worked, like I said, 7 p.m. to 7, 7 a.m. at a minimum wage job. And I just never understood, you know, I, I, we rarely saw her. Um, and I'm wondering like how she was able to make it, how she was able to make it with three boys. I remember looking at one of her pay stubs and it was like she made $18,000 for the entire year. And I'm like, it's no way that I can afford to support a family right now with that, you know, with, with $18,000. No possible way you can do that. And she did it. Um, seeing her hustle, seeing her grow, seeing her grind, it, it, it gave me a sense of, uh, it gave me a charge. Like, I owe, I owe it to myself and to my future, uh, to my future family, my seeds, my grandkids, to, to develop that hustle that my mama, that my mama uh, had. She worked 12-hour shifts. So I wanted to kind of, you know, of course, parents want their kids to do better than them, but I wanted to make my mama proud by hustling the way that she hustled, but in education and in school. So I don't, I wouldn't have to, you know, work the minimum wage job, and I would be able to provide for my children and provide for the family and stuff like that. Yeah, man, Atlanta, Atlanta is one of those cities, man. You just kind of got to stay out of trouble. If you, if you, if you find yourself, you know, getting into the trouble, man, you got to find your outlet um, to kind of keep away from the streets. Keep away from the streets. And so your outlet was hustling in school, and we kind of talked a little bit off air. You were a triple, triple rapper. You know, yeah, man. <laughs> why fam you? And how was that transition, you know, coming from Atlanta to the highest of seven hills? What's crazy, I, I was never supposed to end up in Tallahassee at FAMU. It was, it was actually um it, it, it was actually a dumb decision to come to Tallahassee to come to FAMU. Um I had a full ride scholarship to go to Howard University. Mm -hmm. I remember this, I'll never forget this. Two thousand nine I had a full ride scholarship because I was salutatorian of my high school and Howard was gonna pay for my own tuition. And so I love extra money, but um, I was everybody was telling me go to fam, you go to fam, you go to fam, you. So fam, you didn't give me a scholarship. They gave me a loan package. <laughs> I didn't turn my paperwork in to Howard on time, so I missed the deadline. I lost my scholarship, and the only other school that I applied to was fam. So I, I came down here. At the time, it was a, a horrible decision just because of you know the package that Howard offered. Um, 2009 is when I came here, 2011, I actually flunked out of family, man. I dropped out of school and I went to Georgia State in Atlanta, went back home. And I flunked out at Georgia State. One year ran, I was I had a 0.0, .0 GPA at Georgia State University. Wow. Uh, dropped out of school again, I was waiting tables, man. And I was so embarrassed because uh, people who I had mentored, man, they were graduating from school. You know, then Kanye West, he had this song. He said, this brother graduated at the top of our class. And I went to cheesecake and he was waiting tables there. So, oh man! So that was me, man. I was waiting tables for up here for about two years. I was waiting tables, um, and I mean, one it was great money, but it was not the best career path, you know, dropping out of school to wait tables. So, uh, 2013, I moved back to Tallahassee um, and got my bachelor's degree. I was I was getting straight A's, and I was sitting on the front row in every classroom. I just had a different mindset. Uh, 2000. 
2015, I got my master's degree from FAMU. And then uh, I went on to talk for a little bit. I did Teach for America, talk for a little bit. Um, and I decided that I want to make a bigger impact in, in the lives of children and the lives of students. So I ended up getting my PhD. Well, I'm working on my PhD currently right now in the field of educational leadership. Wow, man, your story uh, resonates with me so much because uh, so a little bit about my background. I went to FAMU, uh, flunked out basically, pursuing a football dream. Went to Fort Valley State in uh, Fort Valley, Georgia, flunked out chasing the football dream. And I went back to FAMU, you know, and I kind of got my head on straight, but, you know, to, to backtrack a little bit before that, um, I didn't graduate high school, man. I ended up having to get my GED. And so, you know, just that, I, I feel you on the 360 turnaround, you know what I mean? The, what it feels like to feel like you fail at some point. But what, what did you learn during that situation, you know, when you went back and you're waiting tables? Like, what was that like? What was that experience like for you? Man, um, one, I realized that, uh, man, you're going to fail your way to success. You know, a lot of times people think that success and failure are opposite directions. Man, you got to go through some things to kind of appreciate the success. And mm -hmm. if I would have never, you know, if I, I don't think that I would be the, the, the scholar that I am now if it had not been for me dropping out and understanding like, man, I can't do nothing without no degree. I can't do nothing without education. And it made me chase it a lot harder than I, you know, than before. Um, I learned that just because you fail, it does not mean that you are a failure. You can always bounce back from your trials and your tribulations. Like, if you really want to, man, you can, you can keep your commitment to your commitments and make some things happen if you truly want it. And if you don't want it, you can make an excuse. And and you know, me going back to fam, you man, I, I dug a hole in myself. I owed the university close to about three thousand uh, dollars. My um, my ex wife at the time, we were pregnant with my with my daughter. She's six now, so she was a, you know she was a jet. She was yeah. a newborn when, when I when I was still in my undergrad career when my daughter was born. Man, it was just like it was just kind of bouncing bouncing around between living situations. It, it was just it tested my it tested my faith. It tested my strength. Getting going back was a lot harder. But I had a, a a lot more, I had a lot more grit than I had before, and just having a little grit, a little determination, man, you know, it's it's, it's hard to deter somebody with a renewed mind. And I went back with a renewed mind, and man, it's, I think every, I think a lot of people, man, just just go out there and try to just do some things and fail at things because once you realize what you aren't, you realize what you are. And that's real. That's real. I mean, just going from the top of your class to that, but. How does it feel now, you know, looking back in retrospect, knowing what you've been through, you know, how has that experience been able to kind of motivate you through your PhD program? Oh, man, like, I, one, bro, I, I used this story. I started a company called Life is Like a Rule with you. Um, mm -hmm. And I teach people how to solve the twists and turns of life. And, and I want to prevent people from making the same mistakes that I made early on. But um, I realized that, like, Sometimes we need strong whys. We need strong reasons that will keep us pushing and fighting towards our dreams and our goals and our aspirations. And if you don't have a why, you really don't really don't have any motivation to, to do it. Um, yeah. When I first came out here, I really didn't have a reason. I was just like, okay, cool. I thought I was supposed to get a degree because, you know, that's what everybody tells me I need, I should do. But now, you know, man, looking at, Looking at the story that I that, that I've hit that I that I can tell and the obstacles that I've had to overcome to to get to this trajectory that I'm on, I one I appreciate that it, that there is beauty in the struggle. Um, man, 
and oh, man, it's just so crazy because 2016, my mom, she passed away from ovarian cancer one week before my 26th birthday. I had just graduated from BAM. Uh, it was my first year teaching, and my mom passed away. Um, last year, my dad, he passed away from cancer as well. He passed on August 10th, I mean, April 10th from cancer. And, you know, now I look at, I look at that, I'm, and I'm like, you know, at one point, I thought God was mad at me. God, why do you keep taking away these um, super important people in my life? Yeah. And uh, really, I just decided to turn that pain into power. I, mean, I see people quitting and throwing in the towel when things like that happen. And, you know, when you know your dad, when your dad down, your mama down, people like that pass away, it can throw you off track. But at the same time, man, these people want you to be great and they honor and they death. They don't want you to be like, you know, my parents passed away. I need to be sad and sulking and depressed. They want you to take what they've instilled in you and go on and, you know, be great and honor. So I want to honor my parents in that way. I got two children. They looking up. They looking up to me. I want to make sure that they don't have any excuse to quit. I don't care what, what happens, what kind of tribulation that you endure. You still need to go out there and make your goals happen for yourself. I feel like you, your, your story is so powerful. And, I, and we got to reiterate. So I have to ask the question, you know, going through those experiences like that time and time and time again, for you, you know, what advice would you give someone who just feels like, you know, they just can't keep going, you know what I'm saying? Like the obstacle is too big for them, you know what I'm saying? What advice would you give to them to just keep, to, to persevere and to persist? Okay, I got two two things on one. Um, the darkest hour is right before the sunrise. And two, God give the heaviest burdens to the strongest people. And you got to realize when you're going through trials and tribulations and it's like, God, this is just weight. It's too heavy for me to bear. You got to realize God, God ain't going to give you too much that you can handle. Like they gonna, he going to give you exactly uh, one that'll, that'll scratch you, but it'll also show you that you can handle more than what you think you can handle. And two, you need to use your test and turn it into a testimony for other people who want through similar situations. Because, you know, like I said, I, I work in, I now work at, uh, at BAMU and I hear people you know, they, they dropping out of school because people passed away. And or they dropping out of school because they had a baby in class school. Or they just whatever the reason is. And they're legit reasons. It's not excuses, but they're legit reasons. But at the same time, life's too short to be thrown in the towel, man. Life, life is always going to have some trials and tribulations. You either headed to a problem, you either just left a problem, or, you know, or you, you just, you always, there will always be um, valleys and mountain peaks. And we have to learn how to appreciate the, the summers and the winters. You know, some days is winter, some days is summer. And we got to learn how to, you know, adjust to the seasons accordingly. Because life is not all the time 100% uh, jolly. You know, there will be moments where, wow, you know, I never thought 26 years old. I ain't even made it to 26 years. My mom passed away from ovarian cancer. My dad, my best friend, we talked all the time. There was never uh, a subject that I didn't call him on just to get his advice on. He passed away. And I'm like, how, why? My daughter, my daughter, um, she was, we, we didn't find out about her until uh, until her mom was 28, 28 weeks pregnant. So my daughter was, my daughter got here uh, six weeks, she was born six weeks early. And I'm like, all this stuff, just all these crazy things just happened. Um, then we ended up getting a divorce. And you know, that was a very low point in my life when we got a divorce. And despite through all of that, through all of that, I realized that um, you know, life too short to be thrown in the towel, man. We can't quit. We got to keep pushing. We got to keep our commitments, our commitments. Because, um, you know, life is so precious and so valuable, man. We got to make sure that we're living this life and not just existing in this life. Yeah, I, I totally agree, man. 
I say it time and time again on this podcast and for the listeners, they hear it a lot is, you know, everything that has happened to me has happened to advance the gospel is my favorite scripture just because of what you said and it resonates. It's just, you go through these obstacles and, and it, it becomes, your test becomes your testimony, but also it comes an example for somebody else going through the same similar situation. Because uh-huh. the only reason why we're here is to live, you know what I mean? And to show how to live to the, those uh, behind us, man. So that's very powerful. Uh, so you said you started a business. Life is like a Rubik's Cube. You know, how did that idea come about? Uh, and what is your goal and your mission of the business? So, uh, Light Large started, I started teaching people how to solve Rubik's Cubes when I was about, uh, right after I learned, I was 15 years old when I learned how to solve the Rubik's Cube. Um, and then I started, I started teaching people unsuccessfully. I didn't know how to teach it. Then after I got the hang of teaching people how to solve the Rubik's Cube, I realized that it built people's confidence. Like teaching somebody how to solve a Rubik's Cube. You know, people think Rubik's Cubes are associated with being a genius. Like every time I saw it, when people, like, you, you smart, you smart. I know how to match colors with colors. And then I was like, the Rubik's Cube is, 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 is not easy, but it's simple to solve. And I started thinking about life. Life is not easy, but it's simple to solve. It's a certain steps, it's certain, it's a system. And if you follow this system, you know, you can, you can solve your Rubik's Cube. So I juxtaposed life and Rubik's Cube. I wrote a book called Life Just Like a Rubik's Cube, just kind of detailing uh, my story and how I use the five steps of solving the Rubik's Cube to solve life. So the five steps, one is to believe in yourself. Uh, two is to solve your cross. That's identify your reasons that you want to be successful. Three is filling in your corners. That's immersing yourself in a positive environment, like quality people, quality music, podcasts like this one. Uh, step four is taking it to the next level. That's uh, uh, continuing to grow, continuing to get better. And step five is keep your commitment to your commitments. And that's seeing the bigger picture. Like you have to, you know, you got to stay zoned in. You can't let distractions, you can't let trials and tribulations throw you off track. And step six is not taking the stickers off the Rubik's Cube. Ain't no shortcuts. No shortcuts. You gotta live. You gotta experience it. Mm-hmm. J Cole, man, he says beauty in the struggle. So, man, like I said, you appreciate, you appreciate the, the you appreciate them lows that you went through when you, when you, when you kind of get back to chasing the highs. You know, you can't. I, 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 just my personal opinion. I don't think people can appreciate uh, what they have until they, until they appreciate what they ain't got. So, you know, coming from a single parent home and now pursuing a PhD, are you the sole, you know, provider for your children also? Um, actually I am. I know, you know, that was a that was a, a scary situation too, but uh, you know, I, I think a lot of people who grow up without their father present, like so I gotta I gotta kinda give a disclaimer to this. Um, there's a difference between a father and a daddy. You know, fathers plant the seeds and daddies raise them into be, you know, trees. Uh, my father, my biological father, wasn't in my life. But my dad, my dad is the man that raised me. So I just want to differentiate between difference between fathers and daddy. So my father wasn't in my life, but my dad raised me, and I'm so grateful because daddies make the difference. You know, I think about people in my community, and they didn't have, you know, they weren't blessed enough to have somebody else to come in and raise them up as if they were their own son, and that makes the difference to me. And once you have an experience like that, you, you, it's a charge. You got to be there for your seeds. So, mm-hmm. um. When we got a divorce, um, I, I just made it a mission that, that I was just going to be more than just present in my life. I didn't want to be the one who get, I didn't want to be the dad that would get my kids on the weekends and summer and stuff like that. So I just showed that I was, uh, you know, that, you know, 
you know, when you go through a divorce, you got it, children generally go to the best parent. And it wasn't a competition per se, but I know it can't nobody love my kids and provide for my kids like I provide for my kids. They're like me, I wanted to be that dad. I wanted to be that hands-on daddy. So my daughter's six years old. I'm, I'm going to do a little bragging right now. Yeah, but do it. <laughs> six. She just loved kindergarten, but she can add and subtract fractions. Um, she can multiply, she divides, she's reading on a third grade level. It's just amazing. Um, she got her reading scores back. She was reading uh, on a 96, in the 96th percentile, so better than 90, 96% of the kids on her on her level. Um, it's just amazing to see what she's doing. My son is three. He can read two letter and three letter words. He's counting and doing simple addition. Both of them know how to play chess and you know, I'm not saying this to brag or nothing like this, but one, I'm, I'm passionate about teaching my kids and making sure my kids know more than me. I want them to be smarter than me now. And as long as they're going to soak it up, I'm going to keep pouring in their bucket. Yeah, so I am, you know, my kids live with me. I'm a full-time single father. It's yeah. a different kind of struggle when you're in a PhD program with a six-year-old and a three-year-old and, you know, full-time jobs. And it's just a lot. But... I want to show people, man, there are no excuses for whatever whatever quitting that you got in you. There are no excuses, man. You got to push through it and make it happen. I'm telling you, man, you speaking to me right now. I'm telling you, like, you know, everything happens for a reason, man. I, um, like I said, my wife recently got a job in Atlanta. Uh, and so the last year, I've been in Gainesville raising my two boys as a single father. So for you to be able to do that full time, man, and them to be excelling the way they are, Man, I commend you, man. Don't ever think about it as bragging, but just think about it. You doing your damn thing, man, and I commend you. And I'm be praying for y'all because I know it's hard because <laughs> I'm going through it myself. Uh, but I wanted to ask, you know, this this podcast is called, you know, The Process Podcast. Um, and we're talking about trusting the process. You know, what does trust the process mean to you? Mm, 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 mm. Trust in the process. Um, like I said, you know, you study people who are successful, they will show you that success is a system. It's a system. It's not It's not easy, but it's simple. And like, if you trust in the process, the process is, you know, we like to celebrate graduation, but you ain't gonna get the graduation without the process. And the process is showing up to class every day, doing your work on a daily basis. It's the habits. It's not the long-term wins. It's not the big wins. It's the daily habits, the daily grind. That's the process. And when we trust the process of one, blueprint you know um you know before you become successful you you got to develop success in your mind you got to know what it is that you want so you you know before you build a house you blueprint the house you you outline what you want the house to look like you outline the room the setups all this stuff and that's the same way we got to outline our goals so you got to set goals very specific and meaningful goals so you know where you're going that's part of the process you got to know where you're going you can't you can't be aimlessly going around in this uh, world trying to just, just chase success if you don't know what success looks like. That's a part of the process is outlining what it is. And then two, daily steps towards progression of your goals. You got to make it a mission to get, if you just get 2% better, it ain't about perfection. It's about making progress. Perfection don't exist. It's about getting better at your skill, at your craft. I'm pretty sure when you started the, pro the Process Podcast, the first episode is nowhere near the quality of the 52nd episode 
it's not it's just not this is how you get better as you continue to do things and that's what i mean you're gonna fail for it you're gonna fail your way to success when you at first when you start start out on something you don't know how to do it to the maximum capacity but once you get developed and you learn more you develop more you grow more you learn more resources and people start to gravitate to you because they see you being consistent you know in your process and now it's you know things just start to get better for you so that's the process i agree i want to ask you know looking back over your life uh what advice would you give your younger self i'm gonna take a page out of uh the book by napoleon hill thinking grow rich so chapter 13 he speaks on sexual transmutation and sexual transmutation is converting your sexual energy instead of using it to you know for sexual engagement is using that energy for your for building your goals and your dreams and your aspirations and you know um i if i would i could tell my younger self is um you know the women the girls will be there you know that will be that ain't going nowhere like you don't want to substitute chasing chasing girls and chasing women for chasing your success you know you know that's not the trade-off that you want to that you want to give yourself we have to manage that energy and a lot of men a lot of men just kind of fall fall victim to their sexual uh sexual urges Mm -hmm. um and we have to we have to make it a mission to manage that control that like we don't want that just to be like a a wild dog it has to be like a like a trained disciplined dog and i think that if we if we're able to master that sexual energy and you know not just let it run rampant then we can do some great things like we can do some great things in this world with that with that energy that harnessed energy that harnessed energy so i wanted to ask you you know being a, a business owner a, 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 what is it a podcast vlogger full-time dad you know how do you manage your schedule in your day-to-day one i follow the steps of solving the rubik's cube so one believing uh just believing one um two and part of believing, but I had to kind of narrow down, just kind of take some things off my plate. I wanted to do everything. I got, I feel like I got a lot of skills, a lot of skills. But then, man, in order to be great, you know, Malcolm Gladwell says, says it takes 10,000 hours to be great at, at something. And I can't be great juggling a whole bunch of things. Like, yeah. you know, all of them going to be half done. So I decided to drop a lot of a lot of the projects that I was working on and focus only on life is like a rookie shooting for my business. Outside of the business, it's my family and school getting this PhD. The one of the first things I do in the morning, I eat the frog. I mean, I knock out the toughest or I start on the toughest assignment that need to get done. So um, in the morning, that's my work time. That's my PhD work because, you know, it's easy to let a, uh, one day turn into a week, turn into a month. Next thing you know, the deadline will crept up on you and you ain't got nothing started. Yeah. But, if you chip away at it daily, chip away, you know, uh, success ain't building a wall. Success is laying perfect bricks. So we got to make sure, you know, every day we lay a perfect brick and not chase the, the building of the wall. Um, uh, managing it, uh, one. Uh, two, you got to set goals. Like, literally, a lot, of, a lot of people just don't know how to set goals. A lot of people... You know, we set goals, but they literally got to be in your face. Like, I, I, what I just, um, what I've done with my house, if you come to my house, it's my house, it looks like an office space. Just because I'm in a production mode. I got to-do lists all over my house. It don't make no sense, man. I got white <laughs> full of to-do lists. And I get an adrenaline rush every time I check off something off my to-do list. Uh, it literally gives me the urge and the energy to go knock something else off of it. But two, um, it's my goals are looking at me. They in my face right now. They looking at me. So if you see them every day and you reading them every day, 
you ain't got no choice but to take action on your goals and you got to prioritize them so you put the important stuff in the forefront and you put the least important stuff you know on the back end so but main thing is um staying productive you know we live in a world right now in 2020 in 2020 where people like to educate well people like to entertain themselves more than they educate themselves hmm. you know you look at people's screen times man people spend eight plus hours a day on social media literally like just scrolling on their cell phones or scrolling on social media scrolling on tv and we're not being productive i mean i like and i think about you know man the people are, you know you think about our ancestors the people who were denied education and then when they got the opportunity to get education man they chased it with tenacity they were hungry to be educated they were hungry to learn and i'm like what if they had access to our resources right now that type yeah. of drive, that type of hustle that type of greed to our resources man they'd be different kinds of beasts I try to channel that, man. I try to channel it, so. Do you have uh, any lasting words that you want to leave with the listeners? When um, I started the company, Lilark, uh, what we do is teach people how to solve the twists and turns of life by simplifying the Rubik's Cube. I think the, the message of Lilark is uh, needed in young people uh, in, in terms of how to set goals, and how to build confidence levels, how to build self-efficacy levels, because that's what we're missing. When I was teaching, I got tired of my black kids telling me what they can't do, right? So we came up with this slogan. I am African, not African. Yeah. One, if black people understood that I am African, not African, man, it would change the trajectory of our young people. Uh, prison populations would be drastically de decreased. Graduation rates would be drastically increased. Um, you know, we just need to step back into what makes us us. I've noticed, noticed this all the time when black folks get a, get approached, get a, uh, well, a lot of time when black students get approached with academic situations, you know, we kind of, you know, we feel less than and we feel inferior, especially in comparison to other people. But when it comes to academics, we feel powerful and superior. But man, we need to have that same type of drive in the classrooms that we have on the court and on the football field and on the track, like that same type of confidence and that same type of, we got the same type of skill level we just got to believe in ourselves to accomplish that same type of success. But I want to thank you for joining us on the podcast and sharing your story and being so transparent. Uh, where can the listeners find you, you know, to tap into everything that you have going on, your businesses and things like that? Uh, Lilark.com. Uh, I'm on Instagram at Lilark underscore. Uh, Facebook is Life is Like a Rubik's Cube. Uh, YouTube, same, same, Life is Like a Rubik's Cube. Um, I do, a, uh, I do a, a podcast every Sunday called Solve It Sundays. Uh, I think that's why you you know you asked me to be on the podcast, on your podcast from Sunday's episode. Yeah, yeah. yeah but we do a podcast called uh, Solve It Sundays where we interview uh, somebody who is on a favorable trajectory and we, and we let them tell their story of how they're solving the twist and turns of life. Um, that's every Sunday at 6 p.m. This episode was brought to you by Overcome Achieve Clothing. Allow what you have overcome to fuel the flame of persistence as you face and conquer your next challenge. Wear your truth. Overcome. thing for me was trying to decide on who am I and like what I want to be and how I want to be remembered like that was my thing right? 
you know, oftentimes I think about like my legacy and like the mark that I want to leave, not only on the industry, but the effect that I want to leave on people. Being a whole human being, going through my obstacles, going through the things that I'm going through, and not to only broadcast these things, but for it to inspire change. I think that was like my main thing and the reason why I made the decision that I made parting ways from the whole we the best thing. I had a different vision. I seen something larger for myself. You know, we weren't necessarily seeing eye to eye on some things, so I decided to do my own thing. It's not what you go through, it's how you go through it. And I think that I chose to deal with this with grace. As many times as I wanted to blow up about the situation and get mad and fire off on somebody, I just thought to myself, like, but what if I handle this shit with love, man? Like, you know, I know whatever you put out into the universe comes back. You know, if you put out positive energy, you get positive back. If you put out negative energy, you get the negative back. Today, I feel like this was the best decision I've ever made in my life. As a man, it taught me a lot. As a father, you know, um... As a boss, as a CEO, the world was asking so many things of me, like, you have to be this, you gotta be this now, and I didn't know how to be. You know, and I'm, I'm, I'm still not perfect, I, you know, I'm still figuring it out, I'm still trying to find my thing, but I'm open to it, and I'm ready for it. You know, I, I just rather get his music all of me, I'd rather get my fans all of me, I'd rather get the fans the realness about me and, and what I've been dealing with good thing happens, thank God. Bad thing happened, thank God. Because there's lessons. There's lessons in everything in life, in, in, in every single thing. And I think that it's just all on us to whether or not we choose to learn from that or we allow that to be our downfall. You know, I could never let any of the outside voices really get to me. Trust the process. Trust the process.